This is the super substantial in the parable of the leaven. The idea of the super substantial appears a number of times in the book of Matthew. And I've already written much on Matthew 6, 9 through 13, the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, where what has commonly been interpreted as daily bread is revealed as super substantial bread. Now I will look at another instance of super substantial revealed in the symbolism of bread. This is from Matthew 13.33. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Now first, let us remember that throughout the gospel, the term kingdom of heaven and its other variations is used to refer to a particular state of being. Now for centuries, church Christianity has worked very hard to bury this and convince the world that it actually refers to a place. That is a magical fairy-like place where you will go to when you die if you are faithful and obedient to the church during life. However, a careful study will reveal that kingdom of heaven, my father's kingdom, kingdom of God, and so forth, were all originally intended to refer to an internal state of being. This is especially verified in Luke 17.21, where Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within you. This is also used as the name of uh, Tolstoy's great work, the kingdom of God is within you where he uh, cut to the chase with much of Christianity and came up with this same very clear idea. Once this is understood, it completely changes the meaning of nearly everything else that you read in the Gospels. So what can this mean? Why the use of the term kingdom to represent an inner state? Well, kingship represents sovereignty. A sovereign is not ruled by anyone else. He is not subject to any greater will. Therefore, his own will reigns supreme. He has control of all of his constituent parts. The sovereign has dominion over his body, his thoughts, and especially his feelings. For one who has not sovereignty, the passions always pull them this way and that subjecting them to any number of external wills. To have awakened the kingdom of heaven within the self is to be king of the self, king of your thoughts, your feelings, your words, and your actions. So kingdom of heaven refers to a state of inner sovereignty, inner kingship. You could also say permanent I or objective consciousness. In the Diabolicon, this probably corresponds with the figure of the Red Magus, who has attained mastery of the Black Flame and knows that he is not subject to a greater will. So the parable is giving us something like an alchemical recipe, the ingredients that we need to create a sovereign state of being. Leaven is the equivalent of today's yeast. In ancient times, 
It was made by placing a piece of bread in a dark, damp place until it rotted, molded, and stank. It goes through a death transformation process and eventually becomes a substance that can be used in the work of transformation of life. But before adding the leaven, the woman reaches into a jar and gets three measures of flour, which she then sets out. The number three here is certainly significant. It represents man in his ordinary natural state, a three-brained being with a physical brain, an emotional brain, and an intellectual brain. When she gets the leaven, she doesn't just throw it down. She hides it in the flour. This could mean that a small essence of supersubstantial is already hidden in you. It could also mean that the reception of supersubstantial influence is a subtle process and not always immediately apparent. In any case, it goes through and transforms all the rest of the being until it is also leaven, also of superstantial essence. This is what happens when leaven is added to flour. It goes through all of the flour and gradually transforms it until all of it is leaven. It changes the quality of the whole. First, you must understand that in the ordinary state, man's three centers of sensing, feeling, and thinking are generally in a state of disarray. They're in conflict with each other, each attempting to dominate the other. In every individual, typically, one center comes to dominate. And so we have ideas like man number one, man number two, man number three. Physical man, emotional man, intellectual man. And here ends the possible evolution for most. The octave of man's natural evolution can go no further than these three stages without some kind of intervention. And nearly all of humanity exists only in these first three stages. All of humanity is just man number one, two, or three. The latter stages being for the most part inaccessible, blocked off. But in the course of discovering esoteric knowledge, a fourth capacity may arise in man. This is the capacity for observation. Observation is not really a center. It only occurs from time to time and never really can be made habitual like other center-based behaviors can. And this is typically how will works in ordinary man. Will is initially applied to one of the centers towards, towards a, a, a small task of thinking, of feeling, or of, or of uh, the moving functions. And he applies will and... He does it a few times, and then it starts to become habitual. And this is how ordinary will starts out trying to be applied to something. It starts out trying to create an ascending octave, but then inertia um, pulls it down. 
into a descending octave. And so there's never an evolution basically beyond the first three steps in any octave. And this is the state of man. Man himself only goes up to about the third stage. And then without this extra push from another source gets pulled back down into inertia. And so there is no evolution. There is no evolution for mankind as he currently exists. This is one reason we need to find schools to work with the fourth capacity. So we will remember to observe. Because that's the part that gets left out. As will gets applied to tasks and becomes habitual, observation slips away. But in the effort to remember to observe a great doorway to a new kind of potential can be open. In the simple act of observing, the centers start to behave themselves. They fall in line. The act of observation tends to bring order to chaos. There's another great analogy here of three young boys running wild and playing and causing a ruckus, getting out of control as young boys always do. Father comes to the window, and he just watches them. He looks out upon them, and he just watches. He doesn't get involved. He doesn't start scolding them or banging on the window and shaking his fist and yelling. Because if he does that, then he gets pulled down into it. He gets pulled down into that level of the chaos and the ruckus. This happens all the time. People try to stop chaos by actively combating it, by yelling at it, and they get pulled into it. This is how chaos pulls everything down. Every great, great vision starts out golden, then gets pulled down into the ruckus. But in this analogy, father knows better, and he just stands there at that window, and he just watches. And pretty soon the boys, who become aware that they are being watched, they all start to calm down of their own accord. They start to calm down and they start behaving on their own. So here Father is the capacity of observation. He's the watcher. And the boys are the centers. The act of observation is like the adding of leaven to the flour. The leaven then goes through and transforms all the flour to leaven. Or perhaps in the act of observing, an opening occurs in which higher substance, supersubstantial influences are allowed to enter the being and coat the centers. They provide a coating for it. The act of watchfulness cancels the imbalance created by the dysfunctional activities of the centers. And this creates the space or a void in which true creation can take place. Being can now receive a new kind of nourishment. The centers fall in line 
and order themselves, and a new kind of growth can start taking place. The growth of essence, which is also known by the word kefir. Another mystery here is that the supersubstantial enters by the intercession of a feminine force, as in the parable. It is a woman who is making the bread. This could represent the feminine nature of spirit, Sophia, or the Egyptian Mat, all of which have a feminine linguistic basis and are all connected with the idea of a new quality of awareness entering man's being. It could also mean that the state needed to allow in the supersubstantial is a receptive or passive state rather than an active one. It may also represent runa, which has a dark feminine connotation and that the mystery is a kind of opening to be able to receive something higher and certainly nothing that is runa that is mystery can possibly be apprehended or known of without the act of observation preceding it observation is akin to the idea of watchfulness, which also occurs numerous times throughout the Gospels. But the idea that it refers to watchfulness of the self is replaced with admonitions to pay attention to scripture, images of Jesus, and so forth. Observation is also one of the most distinct and practical results of the gift of set. The experience of isolate intelligence of being self-aware means that we are able to observe ourselves. Self-observation is one of the most fundamental ways in which we may exercise the gift of set. And as it is part of this alchemical process as illustrated in the parabolic level is a direct source of food for kefir. All beings can watch and observe. You know, the wolf observes the sheep. The bee observes the flower. It is the observation of self, though. The internal reflexiveness that distinguishes the gift of set from ordinary intelligence or observation by the moving center just simply seeing the things going on around you. This is really just a part of the, the physical part of our being that opens up the senses. It's part of what Ospinsky called the moving center, the moving part of uh, physical center. But it is that turning it around, the observation of the self, which is a providence of the gift of set, and serves no higher function than that of Kefir, and remanifest. Thank you very much for listening and keep the dark fires burning. <laughs>